Okay. Looks like we're good. All right. Okay, we are live. What's up, everybody? I hope you're doing well. We are uh, another another snowstorm in here in New York City. Like th that's the last thing we needed. But anywho, uh, I'm sitting outside in my backyard. Yeah, <laughs> I love your neighborhood, Mark. It's uh, nice, it looks so I, different from where you used to live. Yeah, it's my brownstone right there, the one behind me. Uh, <laughs> So what are we doing, man? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. If you don't know by now, my name is Mark DeMeo, my co-host, my partner in all things law enforcement, Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill? Hello, everyone, on this snowy New York evening. For you guys that aren't in New York, it's we got about six inches. Yeah, man. Uh, we got a great guest. He's a return customer. He... he <laughs> He loved it so much he came back. <laughs> Who knows why he came back? But uh, he's coming to us live from Staten Island, New York. Um, he's, a, uh, he's a doctor, a psychi uh, psycholo uh, psychologist, and uh, he works a lot with police officers. He does a lot of uh, suicide prevention help, and he helps us out. Uh, if, if you need somebody to talk to, he's the, he's the man. Uh, Dr. Stephen Waxshaw, what's up? How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Thanks for coming back, man. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Most people do it once. They run for the hills. They never come back, man. They never return our calls. Especially we, we give them a hard time, man. You know, it's like we're not even paying for that. What are they? It's in psychology. It's it's a 40 minute hour, right? Right. Right. Is did, it really? Did you know that, Mark? It's a 40 minute hour. Yeah. There was a yeah. only reason I remember there was a book called the 40 minute hour, right? Yeah, time Time to write some notes to book the next appointment, you know. Give me my money. <laughs> I was going to say, collect the coin. That's right. That's right. It, it makes sense. Yeah, I get it. Some cleanup time, you know? Absolutely. So uh, how's business? Very busy. Um, I've transitioned strictly now to telemedicine, just doing what we're doing. Um, my office is closed. It's still there, but it's not being used. I'm not using it. Um, seems everyone patients and, and staff just prefer this venue. Um, it's just a lot easier. Um, it's a lot more comfortable for the patients. You know, they enjoy sitting at their kitchen table, having a cup of coffee, not having to go out in, in weather like this. Um, I didn't think it would, it would be that successful, but I would say probably at least 95% of my patients prefer this. How are we no. gonna get these people out of the house though? Now that everybody's so comfortable doing everything from home, how are we going to get them out of the house once this is all open? It, it's a struggle. I mean, part of what I do is, is try to get across to people that they're not trapped. They have this feeling like I'm stuck, I'm trapped in my house, but you know, the reality is they're not. So I, I encourage them just to take a walk outside, go for a drive, see there's traffic, there's potholes, you know, the, the world is, is going on, but they feel trapped, a lot of people. I think now with the vaccine, a lot more people feel, you know, a little bit less anxious about venturing outside and, and being in crowds. A little Did bit. you get your first shot, Doc? I got my second. Holy shit. 
I got my second. <laughs> well, you, 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 you were the 65 age, right? I don't want to out you. No, but... no just as a uh, provider. Oh, nice, nice. Put me on, yeah. I got, I got a date, and it's because of comorbidities from 9-11. Right. That I'm, uh, but I didn't, my date's not till April 15th, so I won't get the second one till into May because I want, I wanted to go to Florida for a while, but sure. I don't, I feel strange about traveling without having the vaccine, you know? No, I fall into the 9 11 category also, but this one came up first, so. Yeah. Crazy. I fall into that too. Um, I, I, I didn't bother looking into it. I figured, you know what? I, I want to let like all the frontline workers get it first. And then, and then if they survive, then then I'll I'll, I'll get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm watching all the firemen. If all the firemen live and they survive the shot, <laughs> then I'll, yeah, listen, I'll visit the firehouses and query them. You know, take one first shot. I had no reaction. Second one, I had a slight fever. It, it's about fourteen percent of the people are getting you know sick for a couple of days. Yeah, um, my son he he has it because he's in nursing school, so he he got both of them. And the second shot. Uh, put him out for for about a day, like yeah. from that evening to the to the next day before uh, sundown. That that's when he started feeling better. Right. right. Uh, but he had you know the low grade fever, the body aches, and all that, and then it went away. Yeah. How healthy is this for people uh, just mentally when they start reading stories about how oh just because you have the vaccine doesn't mean you can get it? I mean, what the what the hey man? I think. The worst pandemic we have is, is not COVID, it's, it's the um, ignorance and lack of, of science that people are paying attention to. Pe people are, are going out there half-cocked with these, you know, these ideas and these numbers and these theories, and, but, but they're not looking at the science. It's, it's the, you know, Dr. Google. It's, well, I know a guy who, you know, but, you know, Doc, part of that is that the press tries to scare the shit out of people. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the press is so irresponsible in yep. so many ways, you know. Well, if you look at some of the headlines, you know, this person died after getting vaccinated. Right. And then in small print, but it had nothing to do with the vaccine. You right. Know? You got hit by a car. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> shit, Mark, I'm going to have to use that joke if I ever do stand up again, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um, it's a trying time right now, really. Especially, um, you know, for people who are fragile, you know, before all this. God bless it, man. Because this is uh, I mean, this plays right into most people's fears anyway. If you had, if you were walking around and you were either a germaphobe or you know you had a fear of uh, whatever fear you had. I mean, this this. I'm finding that people who had pre-existing anxiety, you know, some sadness, even depression, it, it would be worse. And for those who never had it at all are experiencing it for the very first time. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's really. And depression too, right? Say it again. Depression. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, doc, I was so depressed yesterday. I went out to Long Island. I picked up a case of Cabernet. Because <laughs> I know, even though if when you're stuck in the house, what other tragedy is bigger than not having any wine, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, hey, yeah. Thank you guys for those super chats, Bill Ryan, Tim Acosta. Thank you both for the five dollar super chats, Mark. I just want to say hello to some of our people on the chat: Diane B, Tim Acosta, 
MC's audio, he's a big fan of ours, 12-step woman. Ryan Investigative Group, Pete, of course, the great Lieutenant Peter Pranzo. Uh, Richella, how could I mention Peter without Richella Pranzo also? Uh, Hoppy Hoppy, I love that. Uh, Diane B, and 12-step women. Hello to all you guys, and thank you for being such loyal uh, fans of ours. Hey, why don't we um, give a shout out to Aaron Rodriguez, who sent us the wine. That's right. Uh, did you have, I thought you were going to show his bottle. Oh, I have it here, but if I get up, I'm going to knock over my, uh, my, my neighborhood. <laughs> my, uh, yeah, it's, I'll, get, I'll get it later and I'll show it. I'll show it because it's a really good Cabernet he gave us, actually. Yeah, you're, you're a big wine drinker and, and you, uh, you gave it your review prior to a well, start. Yeah, it's, I, well, I looked it up. It's a good, it's a very good Cabernet. You know, so. All right, that's good. But let's get back to the good doctor here because he's going to enroll us in AA if we keep talking <laughs> about. You know, Doc, one of the things that uh, we talked about the last time, well, 2019 was a disastrous year for police suicide. It was just one of the worst, nationally, I think it was just one of the worst years and also one of the worst years for the NYPD. And then 2020 was a miserable year for police, but not as bad for police suicide. Do you have any explanation for that? I have some thoughts on it. Um, in fact, this week um, marks the one year anniversary of the passing of Detective Federico, the, uh, the mayor of Central Park, as he was right. And um, you know, that, was, that was 2019, uh, 2020. One of the uh, three, in 2019, we had 10 officers take their lives in 2020, we had three. Always keep in mind the numbers are not hard and fast because we don't know actually if somebody took their life or not. Right. You know, a single occupant motor vehicle crash, an accidental discharge, an overdose. You know, so the numbers are not hard and fast. Some some even say the numbers may be 10 to 25% higher than than what the statistics show. Wow. Um, and you know, don't forget also we don't really track um, retiree suicides the way right. we should. That's a big problem too, right? Yeah, well, we just had one. We had someone retired January 1st, I think, and he took his life on the 27th. Oh my God. Yeah, so that, you know, that's, that's a big deal. I, th I think a couple of things. One is what I think is the biggest is the department's in-house peer program. Um, I, th I think it's tremendous because I'm getting a lot of referrals through that program. So I actually see it in action. Um, really, cops are going to other cops in the precinct. And, and it's an interesting phenomenon because they're going less to outside organizations that are offering support, but they feel more comfortable talking to the cop who they muster with, who they change in the locker room with, who they, right. you know, riding in an RMP with. They just feel- And I know cops like trained not to go rat the guy out to the commanding officer and do it yeah, officially through the department. There, there is a, a terrific protocol that's in place. Um, and they, they really also understand confidentiality because there are organizations that promise 100% confidentiality. That doesn't exist. Right. That doesn't exist. You do the best you can to maintain confidentiality, um, but 100% doesn't exist. But with the, the peer support, they're trained, they go through intensive training, and they come out knowing all the protocols, everything to do. And Oh, so there's, there's designated cops in every precinct that have this training. Correct. Oh, that's Correct. great. That's a great, that's Correct. A great program. Um, I, don't, I don't have the numbers, but 
I guarantee you, it's it's got to be well over 500 who were trained at this point. Wow, that's fantastic. That had trained. There, there was at one point where they were also going to have a psychologist in each precinct. Um, I don't know if that initiative fell through because of the whole shifting, defunding, you know, right, right, off or other reasons. I'm not privileged to that, but I think that too, at some point, might be helpful um, to do that. So I think that's one of the main the main things is is the peer program. Um, if you listen to some experts, some people feel that because almost like a 9-11 effect, the public loves cops because of what was going on. And what I said to them was, I guess they missed the Barclays parties, you know, every night or the Brooklyn Bridge parties every right, night. Right, 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 right. I haven't seen the, you know. The, the love's not cops. there anymore. No, there's no more love, you know. Exactly. I, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, but I think it really is the peer, um, that peer program that, that's doing a lot. The, the other piece of it, though, is that there's almost like a commiseration. It's, it's where cops now are generally, universally, by a large section of the population, disliked. So it's not like I'm disliked and everyone else is liked. Right. We're all disliked. So, so it's not like that solitary, I'm isolated, I'm alone, I'm, you know, I'm by myself. It's like we're all in this together. And I think that's been protective when it comes to suicide as well. Right. That's something I keep bringing up on uh, on the episodes where you have this, uh, seems to me like there's a lot of kids that join the academy that they want to be different than all the other cops that came before them. You know, I'm going to show them how it's done. I'm going to show them uh, not to be racist and this, that, and the other. And then at some point on the third day when they're at some protest again and they're getting hit with a brick or somebody's cursing out their whole family, wishing them dead, then they look to their left and their right, they realize uh, these are my brothers and sisters in blue right here. I, I don't have th these other people. They don't know that I'm cop of the month. They don't care that I, I care for them or I got on the job for, uh, for a specific reason. So it becomes that us against them mentality. I just want to thank uh, 12 step woman for that 999 super chat. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Duty Ron's on the scene. Lovely plans. Dawn Marie, Diane B. Thank you guys all. And uh, we have a great guest, Dr. Stephen Washkel. One of the things I just like to tell our listeners right now, the department has made some inroads in relative to suicide because it used to be a cop would be afraid to turn himself in. It still is, but they put some other measures in because once you said told or admitted to having an alcohol problem, you couldn't have a drug problem because drugs are illegal. They would just fire you. But if you said you had an alcohol problem or a depression problem, the first thing they would do is take your guns from you and put you on limited duty and you couldn't make any overtime. There was a stigma attached to it. And that in itself could result in suicide. Sure. sure. You know, the interesting thing about suicide is that in suicidology, there's a saying, if you've seen one suicide, you've seen one suicide. But, but very often there's a quest to find the cause. We already know the cause of suicide. We know the genetics. There are four specific genes that are associated with suicide. We know the, the developmental factors. We know the environmental factors. We know the, the immediate factors. We know, we know what causes it. But, but our tendency is to have that knee-jerk reaction of, all right, let's have some seminars. Let's have some conferences. Let's, you know, let, let's do that. I went to a conference not long ago, and um, the first 
probably hour was breakfast. After that was introductions. After that was the people who were being introduced, spent time saying, look at me, look what I've done. Yeah. And the rest of the time were people saying, wow, look what he's done. And I left. You know, <laughs> I, I knew someone years ago who was very, very wealthy, very wealthy in real estate development. And, and I had said to him, I notice you never go to conferences, seminars, like all these other developers do. And he said, let me tell you something. If, if you're busy going to conferences and seminars and classes, you're not working. You're not making yeah, money. That's so, true. You know, so, so but you know, Doc, there's a lot of professions that love to pat themselves on the back. Absolutely. Right away, I think of Hollywood. You know, they love giving each other awards, you know, right. and uh, saying how great they are, you know, and the public's sick of it, you know. No, I, I understand. I agree. Mark, you have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, man. Listen up, guys and gals. We are sponsored by the best hot sauce in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's your thoughts on this? Well, no, I just uh, figured it was time to read the commercial. Uh, where'd you go, Bill? Oh, there you go. Oh, you there got the is. phone number up there? Yeah. Uh, Silk City Hot Sauce has gone out of their way to sponsor us. They're a big fan of the show. And they have a phenomenal hot sauce. I've tried all five now. I'm a big hot sauce guy. I love adding it to all my meals. And what they do is they create these small batches and they use pure ingredients. Um, they use the locally grown peppers. And every bottle of Silk City hot sauce uh, has these ingredients. There's a mild to wild. So whatever your taste buds uh, like if they like it really hot you got that if they if they like just a taste a little tinge you can get that too they have uh, great names like uh bobby biggs chipotle aztec attack badass jew slurp <laughs> uh the badass jew i think is the best one because they know how to eat uh mango madness climate change maple dragon killer hot and ghost whisper go to uh silkcityhotsauce.com and if you can, please put in the code. Uh, you'll get 15% off. Our promo code is OTC for off the cuff. SilkCityHotSauce.com. OTC off the cuff will get you 15% off. And they'll send you a free bottle of Cherry Sriracha, their newest brand. Now back to the web. Mark, you take any longer to do that commercial, we're going to have to charge the guy double. Well, I want to make sure that, you know, <laughs> this guy's getting his money worth. And, you know, Jeff Levine... Uh, he, he went out of his way and we, you know, we're accepting all sponsors right now. We got a couple of people that, uh, that are waiting to get on the show as well. Um, back to where we were, you know, what I want to know, do, do you, when the cops are needed, because you mentioned the discrepancy between 2020 and 2019, 2020, we all know was hard, the worst year that I've been, I can recall, and I'm 53 years old and, uh, but the cops were, they, they, they were always being called in. If it wasn't for a demonstration, it was for uh, the Corona thing. You're busy. You don't have time to, to think too much. But 2019, when you get those breaks prior to 2020, you know, so what do you think? You think when it slows down a little bit, God forbid, all these people that went through all this stuff during this pandemic and with the George Floyd and all that, you think, you think there's going to be a spike again? I think you raise a good point because anytime anyone has time to be alone with their thoughts and spend too much time thinking and becoming over analytical and, you know, looking at something from every possible, you know, combination of permutation, um, becoming introspective, retrospective, that could sometimes lead, lead to depression and cops 
you know, 2020, they were distracted. You know, here, here on Staten Island, I mean, our COVID numbers in precincts were off the chart. We, we had other precincts covering other precincts and, you know, it was, it was, it was bad. You mean um, the cops getting COVID? Correct, correct, cops getting COVID. Um, so, but, but I think that cops are a lot more resilient than people give them credit for. You know, and that, that's actually what I was saying before. It's that there's not, there's not, you know, a universal reason for cops to take their life. You know, people say PTSD, for example. Okay, it's PTSD. You know, common sense has to be brought into the discussion because PTSD is not that easy to get. It's not that easy. Right now, um, what is it? 15 to 30% of law enforcement suffer from PTSD. That, but that means that 70 to 85% don't get it. So, so the, you know, or they say, well, you know, cops take their lives because of investigations or um, financial problems or relationship problems or retirement. If that was the causality, we'd have no cops. We'd have no retirees. It, so, go ahead. Explain to our audience the difference between PTSD and having a memory. Because a lot of people think that if, if they, somebody asks you a question, uh, what did you do on 9-11? And then you start talking about it. And God forbid, uh, you know, you cry a little bit or you really get emotional. It takes you back. It's not PTSD. It's, you recall the memory, right? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, to be diagnosed with PTSD, there's very, very specific criteria that's laid out. It's criteria in terms of symptoms, but the symptoms have intensity, duration, frequency, you have to rule out other conditions that might look like PTSD, but PTSD often becomes like flavor of the month. Oh, he's crying. He can't think about 9-11. He has PTSD. Well, this kid can't sit still in class. Well, he's got attention deficit. Or look at those mood swings. They're probably bipolar. People just a lot of times become flavor of the month, but PTSD is not that easy to get. It does have a high correlation with suicide, but, but you, you know, how about, how about the cop that just had a, a DOA kid? And, and he's home, you know, crying or, or upset or, you know, man under, and he's pulling entrails off an axle. You're allowed to have a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. Right. I, I always go by the idea that behavior is a message. It's not a diagnosis. Don't throw labels onto people. You know, get to know them before you do that. You know, but Doc, I always thought, and you can correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, I always thought that anyone that does this work 20, 25 years, 30, maybe less than that, has a level of PTSD. I think I have a level of it. Sometimes real bad images pop into my head, you know, of horrible things I've seen. Isn't that a level of PTSD? But, but it's like, you know, with PTSD, again, the criteria are very specific. There's no diagnosis that says low-level PTSD. Right. You know, just like... Um, oh, that's the Sergeant Cannon diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like um, Asperger's syndrome, kids on the spectrum. So, so with this, there was a doctor out here on Staten Island who would say, well, he's not Asperger's. It's sort of like a washed-out Asperger's. Well, that doesn't exist. Right. There's no such thing as washed-out Asperger's. <laughs> you know, it's either you got it or you don't got it. Right. And... Um, Again, PTSD, yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of us, have, I have a little bit of it, you know, a year and a half on the pile, I have it. Yeah. Um, but then it becomes, you know, is it really debilitating? Look at the Article 2 board. Article 2, their three-quarter pension for PTSD, their guidelines are, if you've 
been in, a, in some traumatic event and you returned to work following whatever time off you were allotted and you worked and you got decent evaluations, you do not have PTSD. But doc, you didn't you get an office of the first case yes. of PT of a disability pension for PTSD and you yes. were the instrumental in that. Yes. And the way we I want to give you a big hand. <laughs> the, the way we did that, not not to tell secrets, but I could tell secrets. Um, it involved using part of that diagnosis, which is called late onset PTSD. So I was able to um, speak to his condition while working, you know, justify that, but then after working, late onset PTSD, and that that's what seemed, that's what got him the pension. Wow, that's what got. Him. So, you know, that, that was good. One of the things that we would also like to talk about since we're, going, we're talking about suicide is we'd like to talk about wellness mm. and what you should do for yourself to keep yourself mentally and physically healthy. Sure, sure. It, you know, wellness used to be, or we can call it self-care, used to be this warm fuzzy, you know, make sure, make sure you, you know, take it easy, make sure you, you know, take a bubble bath, whatever you do. <laughs> yeah, I take a bubble bath. Mark just, does my back with a loofah scrub. <laughs> I just had talk about PTSD image. <laughs> um, There's got to be some laughs too. That's what prevents absolutely. PTSD. <laughs> but, but the reality is that self-care has become really life and death at this point. You know, we know that, that if you don't practice the self-care, that it really does start to affect your biochemistry that it really does, you know, start to have some really detrimental effects. Your cortisol levels go up, um, affecting your kidneys, liver, pancreas, heart, bad stuff. So self-care is very important. Um, one of the things I, I highly recommend um, is, is exercise. You know, I, just to put in a plug, I'm the uh, clinical consultant for NYPD CrossFit. And um, it, it's amazing, you know, this, as, as a group, who watches out for each other, who has regularly scheduled routines, who get themselves involved in competitions and social activities. You know, that's, that's one thing. Um, if, if you're familiar with uh, Austin Glickman, he does Leo Weekend. Yes. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we had him on the show, actually. You know, so that's something else, you know, go, yeah. go to lunch for a weekend, go swim with the kids and have fun. You know, I, I went last year, two years ago, it was, it was terrific. Um, but aside from that, just doing mindless activity, play, playing a video game, going for a walk, picking up a camera and taking some pictures, um, you know, but what's the problem is that cops have a hard time making themselves the priority. Right. But, you know, it, it's, it's just this predisposition to put everyone else first. Well, you know, so many of them now, because the part of the defunding the police is cutting overtime. So they're not making enough money. So I would imagine a lot of new cops, especially, have to work a second and third job. Second and third. Yeah, just to get by. And, you know, when the city wants this professional police force and with really a lot of unrealistic expectations, they want a cop to be a social worker. They want him to be a ninja. They want him to be able to arrest someone without putting their knee in his back. You know, they got they got some real issues there you know yeah. but but again you bring up a good point when there there is no time for self-care literally 
um, because they, I have I have people who are working three jobs. Yeah, they, you know they they swing from one to the other, um, and you may say, well, the third one they just sit in fr- in a car in front of a construction site, but you, you still know, have to be there, right? But they're still there. Yeah, you know? yeah. So so in those cases, what we try to do is have them work self care into their work day at least. You know, even if it's five or ten minutes of meditation, um, the, the department's entire wellness program is, is really good. They're doing they're doing yoga, which which is is getting really nice response. Um, other meditations, there's some really good wellness, you know, real good focus on wellness. I don't know if I would have liked to be on the desk and see the TS operator going um <laughs> um. <laughs> I think it would have freaked me out. <laughs> I hear you. But but just a few minutes of mindfulness, you know, ten, I look, I didn't think it worked. And then I did it and it worked. Yeah. So I came, I became um what's that? Yoga? You talking about yoga, just just some some simple grounding technique um to focus on the here and now using your senses. Um, you know, just taking a minute and say, what do I see? What hey, uh, did you ever took a look at the about uh, psych? You know, we go through two different uh well, they used to anyway. You used to have the written psych, and then you went and met with, uh, I guess, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Yeah. Are they? Are they? Do you ever take a look at that test? Are they looking for people that were predisposed, um, uh, like uh, you know, somebody that's predisposed to suicide or something like that? Somebody who's overly depressed, or is that what they're looking? Because I always thought they were looking for, you know, they just didn't want somebody to go out there and, and blow everybody's head off, you know. But are they looking for that person? They are. I, I mean, the the test is is five hundred and thirty seven true and false questions, um, many of which are repeated throughout just to look for consistency that you're not, you know, you know. I read the New York Times cover to cover, you know, like that you're not bullshitting them. Um, they they look for anger. They look for depression. They look for anxiety. They look for personality disorders. It, it looks for many things. The problem, and and I just had this recently with with an applicant who his test score on one of the scales within that test came back as too aggressive. The psychologist at applicant processing, not being, you know, not having a lot of clinical experience said, no, he's too aggressive. And, and I, I spoke to her, I said, no, no, that's, that's a leadership skill. You could look at it as an aggressive skill, but you never look at a scale in a vacuum and say, oh, he's too aggressive. No, that with this, this, and this shows leadership, not aggression. So, you I think, know, I think there's a there, but doc, you gave her a spanking <laughs> um, leadership qualities tend to be a, a alpha male trait. And the problem with it is that uh, anybody with a, a, a remote education now and in that position is looking at that, that alpha male leadership quality as a bad thing. Hmm. And that we should be put down because that you know that's not what we need right now we need subservient men so this way we can balance out the playing field and if you have somebody that you could tell is going to be a leader that's not good and that's what i think happened in that situation i you know i'm monday morning quarterback and i don't know no, I, I hear look that's that's a whole separate discussion in terms of people in position based on skill experience quality of work versus you know, some of the criteria that they're in that position. Well, they're trying that's, to shut those people go. down. Those people that are um, yeah. alpha male, the go-getter, the guy who's going to take charge, that's not good right now because if this guy's uh, doing what he needs to do naturally, which is his persona, 
um, he's going to take away from me because I want to be the leader. So I got to cut him off at the knees and make sure I don't have to compete with that, which is not, is not fair either. Let me just give a quick shout out to some more of our chatters. Duty Ron, thank you for that $5 chat. Hoppy Hoppy, Rebecca Hicks, Dawn Marie. We got someone here from South Africa. Where? Where do I got him? Cliff from South Africa. Welcome aboard. What's All up, Cliff? If you have any psychological problems, they'll be solved after this show. We can guarantee that. You know? Cliff, this is what it looks like in New York, my background right now. MC's audio, you know something? I always give you a shout out. You're a smart kid. You're too smart, though. You're 20 years old. Take it easy. You're giving us too much advice, but you are a smart kid. I'm going to have you co-host one night. When either Mark's gone one night or I'm gone, you're going to come in and co-host. You guys, if you haven't watched MC's audio show, he's great. He's a great little broadcaster. Cat in the Hat, and of course, Duty Ron, Brandon Shelton. Hello to all you guys. Thank you so much for supporting us. Let me get back to Dr. Washkel now. What, we forget? We forget what we're talking about? No, no, no. <laughs> what well, we were talking about, you know, that psych evaluation and, and people who are, because uh, MC Audio posted something that when he talked to Irma, uh, she had mentioned people with pre-existing conditions under these circumstances are, <laughs> you know, then I got a farewell, which, you know what, I, I actually, uh, you know, I got a gig where I work a little bit of uh, as a concierge and some of the people that that I deal with um, who were a little bit, you know, out there prior to COVID, uh, COVID's kind of sort of balanced them out in a way. <laughs> and they're, they're completely normal now. And I, it shocked me because I thought they were going to go over the top and now they come in and everybody's freaking out. All the normal people are freaking out. They're like, Hey, how's it going? I'm like, I thought you would be the one, <laughs> you know, like, uh, that's weird. How about the patient who is who is agoraphobic, who's fearful of leaving the house. Back in you know March, April, May, no one was leaving the house. Uh -huh. These people felt the ones I spoke to felt great. They're like, good. Now everyone's like me. I don't feel the pressure of having to get out. Everyone <laughs> did. Is. is that what it is? Everybody. And, and, it was, and it was very calming for them to to be you know everyone in the same boat like that. To not feel guilty anymore for not going out. That's right. Because no one was going out. They didn't have the pressure anymore. That's right. That's right. Well, that's interesting. So, Doc, because now you don't have to pick up all these checks when you go out to dinner for your family members, right? <laughs> it's funny because you look in your wallet and like, where's that from? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's really when no one wants to touch cash either. So you right. pull out cash now, people are like, oh, my God, they don't want to touch it, right? Yeah. And, and just yeah. so you know, as a public service, um, GHI, Emblem Health, Beacon, that handles the... Uh, the mental health piece of your insurance, all copays are waived. There are no copays, so so make sure anyone who is going for mental Who's health service, there? say it again. For for psychological stuff though, right? Yeah, for psychological. All right. Yeah, there's no copays. Because well, I just went for twenty sixth. Uh, I went for uh, something that had to do with uh, the nine eleven. Uh huh. And I went there with some type of test I had to take, X ray, my annual chest X ray. So I tell the guy. Uh, what insurance you got? I said, I'm, I'm here for the 9-11 thing. Oh, okay. And then now I'm getting, I'm still getting the $15 thing. And to, for me to go out of my way, see, that's what will make me crazy. When I have to sit down and call these freaking people right now to tell them, I told that moron at the desk that it was 9-11.
That makes me crazy. That having to go, I've been putting this off for three weeks right now. That's what eats at me. Those little things. What I what I've done is changed my my philosophy, my view, my viewpoint. I've learned to expect incompetence. <laughs> it, it's actually become the new standard. And if somebody uh, does like a decent job, uh-huh. that's amazing. That's a good way that, to do it. That, it is because even if I go to Burger King, okay, I get the burger. I open it up. There's no burger. <laughs> <laughs> Just pickles. Just pickles. Yeah, a pickle sandwich. Right, Doc. Uh, you know, someone in the chat wanted to ask you that applicant that you went to bat for. Did he get yes. hired? Yes. Oh, good. That's yes. great. That's great. But but That's I don't. I no longer do. Um, I no longer do the applicant um, appeals. I refer them all to um, Dr. Daly. Uh huh. Who used to run psych services, but now does applicant. He's terrific. He does applicant. Um, you know, because people could also have a uh, a bias against certain people, you sure. know, and just fail them on the psych test to get rid of them, you know, yeah. and that that's a little scary. And I wouldn't doubt that the department's doing that. Oh yeah, 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 man, that's a big one. Um, I'm also always asked, you know, if I get a cop who's who's got some serious emotional issues, did he develop that? on the job or did he have it before? And very often the guys that I'm seeing, their, their level of mental illness was way before they came on the job, you know, way before. You'll but, get, you'll get some, some stress disorders, you'll get anxiety, you'll get some reactive depression from the job. Uh-huh. But some of the, the true, you know, that radio's talking to me, Illnesses. <laughs> you know, that's that's a different ball game. Wait a minute. Getting, <laughs> the radio is talking to you though. <laughs> yeah. it's, isn't that weird though? The radio is talking. Yeah, it is. It that is. sounds like the guy who was trying to get three quarters. You know, it's telling you to pick up your job. Yeah. <laughs> that's your job. That's in your sector. I should have said radiator, not radio. Oh, okay, radiator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a trying time right now, and you know, even even for the the like me, I'm a I'm a happy guy, I'm a go lucky guy, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'd be the last person that you know you would think would ever like, and it's tough, man. It's tough because we've all lost something, you know. We've all lost money. We've lost opportunities. Um, we've lost memories. These poor kids that you know are doing without their prom, their graduation, all this stuff, and um, they're toughening it out. And there's just you know, whenever you see like a little bit of end in sight, right? There's always these people that come around from the back, like the vaccines out. So there's an end in sight, and then they come from the, the vaccines doesn't work for everybody. You could still get it, you know. It's it's. Um, it really is, man. I don't know why a lot of it has to do with the media and, and preying on us and uh, and doing stuff like that. But I don't understand why we're so, uh, why we would do that, why we test people's. Uh, I think part of it is just the nature of science that like science evolves. And, and this is a game we haven't been to. So, you know, we're really learning on the fly a lot of this. Some of it's, it's, it's decades old, some of the research of certain things, but the pandemic itself is, is so science is constantly playing catch up. So they'll give us this optimistic news. Then another study comes out and they just pulled the rug out from under you. know, now the latest one now is the, um, the South African variant that it's showing these, the, um, the Pfizer vaccine is not as effective 
against that one. But oh. they're saying that's only in the lab, that's not in the real world. So again, people are now, oh, I thought, I thought okay, we were covered. And so that, that's exactly what you're saying. The, the press in this country is so irresponsible. Oh. I really, you know, I'd like to give them a big smack in the face, all of them. It's so, they're, they're just, they're, you know, Ed Mullins called that one politician a whore. The press are whores. They really right. are. They're disgusting, you know. Because they're all fighting for the ratings. And the ratings mean that you have to find the story somewhere. So whatever I tell you, the sky is blue today. There'll be a million people commenting on, yeah, it was a blue sky. And then there'll be one person say, well, I thought it was gray and I didn't like it. And then somebody, a reporter, will look at all the freaking things and find that one thing and say, uh, the sky was blue, but many people or, or some people think, that it's gray and it's not good. You know what I'm saying? So just because one person commented, that's the person they're gonna to gravitate to and use it for their story. Exactly, that, that, I mean, you're too young to remember, but back when we used to watch the news, it was the news. Yeah. It wasn't an opinion piece, it was the news. Yeah, I know, there's nothing. And that's like why that. now all I do is watch British television. I just watch British news and British television. They, mm -hmm. they don't get into what we do. They really don't. They yeah. give you the news, they give you the facts. I oh, I, I did sense a little accent there. <laughs> I, I, I really wish that that would, would, would work its way back here. Unfortunately, I think it's going to work the other way, that we're going to infect them. I know. This is a travesty, what's going on here. You don't know what to believe, what to watch. We're completely divided. You know, in order to, if you're, God forbid, if you're right wing right now, they have to develop three or four different networks just for you to be able to uh, hear, you know, the yeah. other side of it and god forbid if you chime up or say something that yeah. you know they disagree with right now you, you're going to be uh, cut off canceled absolutely would you yeah. imagine well i'm not going to get political i almost did I, i'm going to leave that one out but uh, really? you know. so I, I think what we're, what everyone is dealing with more today is what's called moral injury and versus That's versus like strict ptsd although they are related a lot of moral injury where things you believed um, would just, you, your belief system was betrayed. If, with cops, I'm finding it all the time where um, a perp gets locked up, you know, and ser seriously injures a cop or whatever, and he gets locked up and he's released. That, that's a moral injury. My, my belief system is you're the bad guy, you just hurt the good guy, mm -hmm. and now you're out with no consequence breaks, basically. Mm -hmm. So, so my belief system gets assaulted. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's what people are dealing with a lot. That, of, that a lot is of, a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, you notice even on social media or you go on Twitter and every day the police commission is putting some feel good story on there about the police hmm. because no one else is, you know right. what I mean? The press isn't, the press may put all oh, the police caught the subway ripper. They start calling the guy the ripper. I mean, is how, if that doesn't deserve a smack, I don't know what does, you know? Oh, he's, he's an EDP. He's a mentally, you're calling him the Ripper. You're making this like to, to sell your stupid advertising, Hearts Mountain Bird yeah, Food, yeah, whatever you're true. selling, right? It was, it, was, it was horrendous. And it's all caused by these politicians with these, these policies they have in place. And you can't, yeah, just the, the, the perfect word, some animal is... Is, is stabbing people on the subway. I mean, but you, animal and all these other words. Ripper's still good, though. Yeah, right. Ripper's fine. <laughs> yeah, Ripper's fine. We're going to just keep using Ripper. Ripper, yeah.
You know what I'm saying? Because we're calling them an animal. We're already saying, oh, we, we already know what color this person is because of the word animal. Uh, it's just, <laughs> hey, listen, man, these these young cops right now, they got a, they got a, a time and a half because a lot of them are educated, too. Absolutely. They all need this uh, 31 college credits or whatever they need to get on the job. And a lot of them actually go through the bother of finishing a criminal justice degree or finishing up college. And then they take this job because they want to do show everybody yeah. how it's supposed to be done. And they realized it doesn't matter. You, as soon as you put that uniform on, you're the enemy for, for uh, you know, not for everybody, but for our specific group. They don't care. They don't care what color you are. You have white people yelling at black people, calling them racist. Like, because <laughs> you, you, it's just unbelievable. And, and that's why that's why I call it the batshit crazy light. That we woke up one day and someone hit a light switch and the world went batshit crazy. Uh huh. Cops are bad. Perps are good. You know, it's just. I know. What is this with the Wisconsin? I know they want to release them. Uh, there's a whole bunch of reform. I just don't understand what we're supposed to do with them. You have all these major cities plagued with the homeless. Uh, the guy that was in the subway uh, stabbing people, the Ripper, he was right. a homeless guy stabbing other homeless people. And uh, they don't realize, they don't want to address the problem of what it is because it costs money and then they can't play around with the other money. Well, I seem to remember there was somewhere around 850 million to a billion dollars that was scheduled to help mentally ill people. Right. That I was working under that. I was I was working in the police academy as an actor, and we were uh, they were showing basically uh, you know in service officers how to be able to detect different types of mental illness, and we would act out these scenarios for them. And then that program got defunded after you know I was there for five years, and then it got defunded. The irony is that the only people that lost their jobs were the actors and the clinicians. Those cops they just got moved around. So who does that hurt really? Right. <laughs> who does? It doesn't help anybody because they still don't have an answer for who's going to go out and handle these EDPs. They don't want cops to do it, but they don't have anybody else ready to go. You know, don't know how to do it. You know as well. I mean, I worked, I worked on a prison unit for nine years. I, I had seven broken bones in nine years. I, I was one of the little guys on the unit. And if we were taking down an EDP, on average, it would take about 13 of us to do it. <laughs> on average. And we would get tossed like rag dolls. And, you know, and we didn't have weapons or anything. It was just, you know, you just did a street fight. Uh -huh. So to send somebody in to an unpredictable situation where that EDP could be, yes, I understand, I understand. And two minutes later, you know, your head's laying on the floor. It, it just doesn't make sense. It makes no sense at all. Yeah, well, they, they call them violence interrupters, you know, yeah. and I, it just is like, when people that have no police experience, or for that matter, any field, when people that don't have experience in a field are right. making policy for that field, that, I mean, Right. Does a surgeon, who tells a surgeon or looks at the protocol for a surgeon, but other doctors, right? I, I can watch as many cop shows as I want. I'll never be a cop. I will tell you every episode of Law and Order, yeah. but that doesn't mean, you know, I, I could do it. We knew at the hospital, when it was time to call in the professionals to deal with the situation, we called the police. Right. Not, to come in, not to come and make nice, 
but to resolve the dangerous situation at hand. You know, that's going to happen every single time because they're going to be what we're talking about are violent situations. We're going to be talking about clinicians calling up uh, to have some backup or asking the cops that drove him there, I think we should get some backup way prior to anything happening. You're wasting two officers who have to drive the clinician there. And then you're gonna have call, call other officers there because their job is to protect the clinician. Right. Now you're gonna have to have other officers go in there to secure the EDP. So you're uh, doubling the manpower. But I'll you, doctor, doc, you can't also, you can never predict if an EDP is going to be violent. That's the biggest thing, you know? Absolutely. But, but one thing that people aren't talking about is the fact that that, you know, again, you know way better than I do, gallows humor. You may say something slightly off color, not meant for civilian ears, but a very effective, very good coping skill that lets you go from job to job to job. You may say something in the midst of dealing with that EDP, that social worker now makes a CCRB. Right, right. That, that's a whole new world. Now, now you got people say, "Oh, you know, he called that. He called that poor person an asshole." You know what right. happens now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it opens up a whole other can of worms. A whole other can of worms. But usually, in those scenarios, when you realize that you're all working together, that kind of stuff doesn't really pop up. I mean, even like uh, everybody wants to be on a, uh, either a CCRB or whatever, and you spend a couple of months there and you realize three quarters of these people maybe more are full of shit. And it doesn't take long to realize that, yeah. you know? And so that, that's what happens too. If you're a clinician, I don't, for you to write, for you to do that, knowing that the cops have your back, they're not going to have it anymore. The only reason why you would do something like that is if you want to stay home, which apparently everybody, including every single teacher in America right now wants to do. Why don't you help those people out? Can you help the teachers get back to teaching? Can you do that? Cops are out there every single day doing their job. The firemen, the nurses, the doctors, dealing with all types, kids, adults. And for some reason, the teachers can't, they can't get back to work, man. They want everything perfect, man. They want rose, rose petals laid out for them when they walk into school that day. Doc, when this is finally over, yeah. uh, I'm talking about the pandemic. What other, are you going to see some like post uh, mental health issues once this is over? You know, I think, I think we'll see issues that aren't expected, like 9-11. One of the things we saw after 9-11 was a tremendous amount of marital issues. And, and people are like, why marital issues? Because a lot of, a lot of people after 9-11 got this mindset, life is short. So I'm buying that boat. I'm buying that Corvette. <laughs> and so, so on September 12th, they put a deposit. You couldn't afford a Corvette on September 11th, 10th. You can't afford it on the 12th. Right, right. Then the bills come in. Now the marital upset. Mm -hmm. You know, so we we see a lot of a lot of domestic stuff um, that I expect to see. Um, with kids, it's different. I, I think kids are gonna, you know, kids tend to be more resilient than than adults, but it's been going on longer than anyone expected. So I think I think we're going to have some regressed behavior with kids and socialization problems with kids because uh, it's going on too long. I Look, when I first started, I, I was the first one to say, wow, you don't have to go to school for a couple of weeks. That's great. I would have yeah. loved that as a kid. But now a year later, no, oh, no problem. What they're doing to these kids. Yeah, it's horrible. They realize what they're doing to these kids. And it's all just to protect themselves. And, and you know something? There was no need for it. Because what's the reality? 
3 million students are homeschooled every year. Separate from the pandemic, 3 million. They go on to the finest universities. There's no university that doesn't accept them. And they all come under the auspices of some terrific organizations, you know, Homeschool Association of America that have all the, um, the curriculum, the activity, everything's in place. Uh -huh. New York, all they had to do was say, listen, we're gonna put everybody under these programs. Everybody's being homeschooled for a year. Uh -huh. stop, stop opening, closing. If you're positive, we'll close for three days. If you're negative, we close for two. These crazy algorithms, just put everyone under an, ex an established homeschool program. That's mm -hmm. already out there. The mm -hmm. union wouldn't allow it. Yeah, because you're not gonna need the teachers anymore. Exactly. exactly. That's you know, Doc, you know who's also been outed during this? all these universities that are charging $70,000 a year to go there. I right. think they should cut their asses back too once this is over. The Columbia's, the Harvard's, the Yale's, you know, all of these schools, that the NYU's charging 70K a year. Where do they get off charging $70,000 a year? They don't even want to refund parking permits. It's a, you know what? Listen, I paid for my daughter um, for, her, for her to, you know, to have her, keep her room up there. Right. She goes upstate to school and I would do it all over again because half the reason why she's still sane and she's still okay is because she's up there with her friends. With her friends, right. And then, you know, have rented the same house and then, um, you know, the other boys too and, and they still have their little get togethers. Yeah. But to just be paying for college, the same rate for them to sit at home and take the class online, um, it's, okay. it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And... <laughs> That's, that's who's going to suffer the most because we're giving, uh, I remember like an online degree held a certain like, eh, really? You went to school online and that's all you did. Now, all of a sudden, those are going to be valid. And plenty of people are going to be, choose to get their educations online. Sure. Not only are you you're probably going to, they're going to give you a discount rate, but you also don't have to pay, like you said, for parking. I don't have to commute. I could do it on my own time. I could take this class whenever I want. The teacher is going to be able to lay down that lesson. You're going to be able to click in and watch it. I don't have to go live. You know what I'm saying? Right. I can do it at my own. So that's going to be the wave of the future. They don't realize they just shot. by these teachers not coming in, they, they've eliminated themselves. It's, you're very, it's very true. That's true. You know? And, you know, I'll tell you one thing. I, I taught online. I taught at college online. And it's more work for both the professor and the student. It actually is way more work. You know? Think about this. If you're twitching your class online, then why wouldn't I just take the best teacher in that particular course rather than align myself with a school? So, for example, I want to learn about psychology. Right. I'm going to go to Dr. Wachshaw. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to watch his because he's the best. I want to be trained by the best. So now I don't need that cow. I don't know how the, who that professor is. And we're all going to be based on who, who has the most hits. Who has the most likes? Who's? I'm going to look on who, what other students like this person's class, and we're going to be. You're going to be making it globally. You're going to be teaching your class. They have a variant. What is it? Rate my professor, where, where students go. Yeah, I know. Right, right. right. You, know, you know who to take and who not. Who, who will avoid? I know. Well, a lot. You know, a lot of it has its value. But you know what I'm saying? Because some some of these professors are just, they're in another world. You know, they have no personalities and they're, they're not the best. They don't budge uh, for a second, but uh, it also hurts the ones that, you know, graded people evenly. 
and fairly. If you gave me a, a C plus and I thought I wanted, you know, I wanted to get a B, of course I'm going to write something bad about you. You know? So uh, what else do we got? What, 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 what advice can you give to uh, a fellow law enforcement that's working now and um, maybe feeling a little bit, you know, they get home, they're having the, an extra beer, an extra drink. Um, my go-to is employee assistance unit. That's, that's the go-to. They, they're really, again, such a, a well, a well oiled machine in terms of assessing the issue, making the referral, staying with the person, following up constantly. They're terrific. Coupled with the in-house peer, you know, and something, you know, just something as simple, which nobody does, I don't get it, is due diligence. If, if you're going to use a resource, spend 20 minutes, just do, do a little bit of due diligence looking into that resource. It, do, it doesn't take much. I was, I was mentioning earlier, um, right now I'm doing a lot of damage control because there's a clinician, I call him pseudo clinician, because um, they may have the letters after their name, but they don't have the experience, who made a very public statement that every single suicide is preventable, every single one. Do you know what that's doing to families of, of cops who took their lives? Guilt. First of all, it's not yeah, true. Guilt. Yeah. yeah, but it's not true. 20 to 40% are not, are not preventable. Science has demonstrated that time and time again. But now I got to deal with these families who are like, what did I miss? What did I do? How did I, you know, so, so a little bit of due diligence, look at who's making statements, look at, look at organizational resources, you know, look, and any organization that's a nonprofit has a 990 form. Mm -hmm. It's accessible. It takes two minutes. Look at it. Why do you have six figure salaried people in, in a, you know, in a charity that's supposed to help me? Why, um, you know, why do you have millions of dollars in assets, but, but you're looking for donations? Why is that? Just a little bit of due diligence. That makes well, you know, Doc, with that, having said that, a lot of these major universities have billion-dollar endowments. Billions, billions, not millions. Right. Like, right. why are they collecting this money? Because that money, a lot of it's coming from the government on right. our tax dollars. Why are they have this power of the purse? You know, it, it's just crazy. You know, Doc, the last time we had you on, I remember you said something, I thought it was, um, I thought it was pretty cool because... I said, is it okay to go out drinking? And, and you said, yeah, of course it is, as long as it's not four or five nights a week or you're not doing four to fours, you know, four or five nights a week. If it's, you know, every once in a while, that's like almost like a self-care thing that relieves tension. You're out with the boys, the girls, whatever. And uh, it's a good thing. If, if alcohol causes problems in your life, then you're a problem drinker. It went for a haircut this morning. My 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 barber, um, old world Italian barber, says, "You know what? We're closing. It's early." Takes out takes out a bottle of cognac. Was you want a sip? It's <laughs> 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 snowing out. We're closing. There's three or four guys there. Yeah. Should I not do that? Right. You know, it, it's okay. If it's a problem, if it's misuse, if it's excess, if it's affecting your performance, yeah, then it's a problem. You have to speak to someone. That doesn't mean you have to go to the farm. Right. It just means you need to talk to someone. Same with suicide. You have suicidal thoughts. 
Oh, he had to show us that he's drinking yeah, alcohol. Yeah. You're having suicide. I'm sending him to the police off the cuff form. <laughs> someone having suicidal thoughts. You don't have to go to a hospital. You need to talk to someone. You know, it's, it's not an automatic. Right. You brought up an interesting point when you said that it's, it's not all preventable. I, I worked with a, a great guy who committed suicide. And I tell you, we had the most, every single day he walked into roll call. It was just, it, there's certain people in your life where as soon as you see them, you just start laughing. And he was one of them. As soon as he walked in the door, <laughs> guy, and he would do the same thing to me. And he would just laugh and he would go, you know, we could stay roll call. And then we would just break each other's chops for, uh, for as long as we could. And it was every single day. And then in the middle of breaking these houses of family, all right? Everything, all right, get out of here, freaking lose. But uh, he was the happiest guy that I, one of the happiest, always laughing, always doing jokes, always breaking balls. And uh, you would never, ever suspect it. So this idea that his family would have known, I don't know what he did when he went to his house, but uh, when he went yeah, home. 20, within that 20 to 30, 20 to 40%, some are revenge. Some of you know what? You just pissed me off. I'm going to kill myself. It wasn't planned. It wasn't showing any warnings. It was just a revenge. It was an anger. It was an impulse. Um, that's not prevent. Look, I do. I, I think you guys know. I I authored and I present the Conquer Suicide Training Program for for law enforcement, and that's a four hour training. Um, we don't make a dime. Our our budget is zero. We don't take donations. We won't take donations. Um, but that focuses on on what's called suicide awareness, self-efficacy. It's just making a partner aware of somebody, of his partner or her partner, rather than reach out, call us. Reach out, call us generally doesn't work. It works sometimes. What works better is training the guy in the seat next to you to know what to look for, what to say, what, what to ask. For the officers that are out there on patrol right now or watching the podcast, how do they get involved with something like this? With the, haven't heard about it. With the Conquer Train, they can go to the website, um, www.conquersuicide.org. Um, we were down for the pandemic, but we're going to be starting up again in March. Um, we have some meetings already planned to start, you know, the ball rolling. It's, um, it's not funded by Northwell Health, but it's under their um, institutional review board because we are collecting data. So it will be the first um, scientific-based program to treat suicide prevention for NYPD. There's no other one out there. Mm -hmm. There's no other one that's evidence-based. So Northwell Health, you know, Lenox Hills, Staten Island Hospital, we're doing it under their, their umbrella. Of, um, so this person in the command is basically like a delegate, except they're a delegate if you call them up and say, listen, man, I, something happened and uh, I keep thinking about it, but that, that person is trained. You can talk to them. Well, well that's the, you're talking about the peer program. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the peer program is, um, what's his name? Shane is doing that. That Shane. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he's, 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 hand, you know, he's the one who's really, you know, heavily involved with that. My program is, is not a department program. Rogers you're talking about? Yeah. 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 I worked with him. I know, yeah. So you know, he's great. He's a beautiful yeah. person. He'd give you all that information about about the peer support program. He's, he's terrific. You know, Doc. One of the things when you said that um, about that person that said every suicide is preventable, 
I remember uh, as a boss, a sergeant, I went to the suicide and it was a young doctor who was an emergency room doctor. And when I walked into the room, he was in a white t-shirt and gray sweatpants. And he had three bags of intravenous connected into his body and he was dead. And he left like about a six or eight page extremely articulate suicide note. And in it, just to synopsize it, he spoke about his life mm. and how he always had a privileged life and he had everything he ever wanted. And he excelled at this and excelled at that, but he was miserable. He was just miserable, you know? And he had tried suicide before. And he just, and the letter was also like an apology letter to his family, but he also wanted everyone to know that if he was successful in the suicide this time, it was gonna make him the happiest person in the world because he was so miserable that the only way to relieve his pain was this way. And one of his doctor friends was there and she was an anesthesiologist and she told us what was in each bag. Mm -hmm. She said, this bag was just designed to slow down his heart, to make him comfortable. The second bag of intravenous, I don't, I don't know the drugs. Yeah. She goes, that was meant to kill him. Okay. She goes, the third bag was a knockout punch in case the second bag didn't work. So he was real serious. So there goes an unpreventable suicide. Yeah. And the, you know, again, you bring a good point. Suicide is to end the pain. It's to end the pain, to end the suffering. Um, but, but if you are trained to ask the right questions, to, to know what to look for. Um, sometimes you can make a difference, right. but 20 to 40% of the time you cannot. They, they're going to do it. You know? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's, it's, what, you, what you do is amazing, Doc, because it's uh, the answers, you know, it's uh, the, like when it comes to suicide, I just told you one story, then you heard another one, um, two opposite ends of the spectrum. There's no there's no clear path and a way to every, every situation is different. And exactly. It, exactly. Matter like how much your family loves you, um, how much your friends support you. There's just something wrong. It's something's not right. And you don't want to play anymore. You don't want to, you're feeling pain for some reason and you want it to end. And a lot of these people hold on longer, way longer than they should, just because they don't want to hurt everybody around them. That's right. You know, they know they're going to cause them pain and it's the only thing that keeps them around. But then at some point that doesn't hold. Yeah. That's yeah. Something. You're right. Yeah. Listen, I, I saved somebody's life. He was committing suicide and um, <laughs> don't ask me why he decided to send me a text message. And <laughs> I, I was like, you know, it, it's just like, uh, I just so happened to be running late for the gym and I knew exactly what he was saying in his cryptid text message so right away i called i called him up and he told me where he was first question i went right into detective mode and asked what you're doing how you feel i said where are you right now and he told me i said what room number are you in because he was in a hotel yeah so what room number are you in and that's when he, he phased out. Not only that, but he cut it. He cut his wrist. He didn't cut his wrist this way. He cut it this way because he went online to research it. That's the right way. I called up the. I called up the hotel. First of all, I called up that local police department. Then I, 
And I told him, I said, my friend's committing suicide in this room, in, in this hotel right now. Thank God he checked in under his real name. Okay. And I called up the hotel. I said, the police are on their way over there. Get your security. My friend's in there. He's trying to kill himself. This is his name. And they saved him. And he's still alive. Wonderful. And that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone from our live chat, uh, we're going to be closing uh, remarks and have any question for Dr. Washkel? that they would like to ask the good doctor? Don't all come in at once, you know? <laughs> they had all kinds of questions earlier, but I don't see any, uh, a lot of people are just talking about- There's the a whole, whole bunch of, uh, there's a whole other conversations going on with the chat, like, which is pretty cool. Um, but that, 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 what I told you doc was, that was a true story. No, I, look, and, uh, I, I, can, I, I, have, I have volumes of story, you know, We've had people in the hospital on what's called one-to-one -one observation, and they took their lives while under observation. You know, it, there's a million stories. Yeah, but if you're out there and we're friends, don't don't count on me. I'm just telling you, that guy, that guy got lucky. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not Dr. Waskell here, okay? <laughs> that guy got particularly lucky. I was running late for the gym. I made the mistake of looking at my phone. <laughs> you know, I see a lot of when, at least when I was on the on the job, a lot of the PBA and the SBA and the delegates yeah. were really selfless people that would give above and beyond of their time to save another cop's life, and they deserve a shout out too. I Absolutely. mean, they they were all heroes. Those guys. You hey, know? Uh, before we split, we'll do um, we'll do another shout out to the people that tuned in tonight on our chat. Bill, if you want to do that, then I'll yeah, leave. Yeah, sure. Duty, Ron, thank you for all you do for us, for the Police Off the Cuff fans and family. Duty, Ron's helping us revive our uh, show here. Uh, not the show, but get us more fans. His fans are coming to see us. Joey Brooklyn, Rebecca Hicks, Michelina Serino, MC's Audio, uh, Scotty Wagner, uh, Bill Ryan, Rebecca Hicks, John, Joan Hale, uh, Again, I'm, I'm reading some of the same names over and over. 12-Step Woman, thank you so much for the super chats. Uh, Cat in the Hat, I love some of these names. Some of these, the, the, your handles, I love these names. Uh, Larry Bennett, thank you guys. I, I can't shout out to everybody. Thank you guys, you know who you are for supporting us. Richella Pranzo, uh, Lieutenant Pranzo, thank you so much. You guys are some of our greatest fans. And we appreciate your support. Uh, if you want to join us on Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com slash police off the cuff. Um, we have three tiers. Seven is the bucket. $9 a month is you can polish my rack and it's actually my rack. And for $11 a month, you get to dip them in butter. I won't say what you can dip in butter, but you can imagine. And that's the premier $11 per month. And uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube. We're picking up a lot of fans through uh, the help of Duty Ron. We have great guests, as you can see, and we appreciate your support. And before we say goodbye to the doctor for joining us, I just wanted to mention one more time that if you like eating and you like a little spice to your food, don't forget to try the best hot sauce in the world, Silk City Hot Sauce. It's made in small batches with pure ingredients, locally grown peppers, silkcityhotsauce.com. Use the coupon code to get 15%, which is OTC, off the cuff, silkcityhotsauce.com. 
Just how it sounds. And, uh, and Mark, again, just to make sure they know it's not OTA, it's OTC. OTC. You don't get the shit for free. It's not on the arm, right? No, it's not on the arm. But <laughs> you listen, you know, somebody was mentioning the other day about trying to order. They were trying to order one bottle. One bottle is like, it's like five bucks, one bottle. But order four bottles. Get, you know, you order the whole five, you get the whole set. And this way you get the 15% discount. It doesn't kill you. The bottles aren't that big. And they're, they're really scrumptious, man. I, I, I enjoy the crap out of them. I'm going to have some of it right now. And uh, Dr. Wasco, uh, let me ask you a question before you take off. Um, do you have some advice for the officers that are out there right now that uh, are, are in the grind? Um, you know, maybe maybe they haven't had a, uh, an RDO in a while. Maybe they... Uh, they don't have a barber that has cognac, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what advice do you guys do to give to the young people out there that are that are um, you know working really hard? Again, self care, you know, whatever um, helps them get through the day with self care, something for them, making themselves the priority, taking the time to to enjoy. Again, it could it could be a walk in the park, it could be anything, you know, playing a video game, just some time for themselves. And if they do have any. Um, you know, disturbing thoughts, anything that's emotionally upsetting, talk to a peer support in the precinct, talk to a delegate. You know, you mentioned the delegates. I mean, Paul DiGiacomo as the president of the DEA, you know, an amazing person, you know, his, his heart is, is in every single cop that, that he, you know, is under his, his umbrella. Um, you know, same thing, you know, Eddie Mullins from the SBA. Eddie, there's there's a guy who will do anything for a sergeant. That's you know? right. That's or right. not even a sergeant, any cop. He'll any do anything. Cop. These yeah. are special people. Yeah. Um, take advantage. You know, the resources are there. Michelina Serino mentions watching, uh, like, uh, if she's in the mood, she'll watch Maud, Laverne and Shirley. She's, you know, Carol Burnett, stuff to make her happy. Perfect. Old time TV. She, whatever it is that you do, that kind of stuff is okay. Perfect. And, music. And, doc, and doc, someone said that the, the doc looks like the guy from Mesh. I don't know who he's referring oh, yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, well as, as well as Joe Torrey, yeah. as, well, as well as the guy from Back to the Future. <laughs> I can give you a whole list. Well, oh, you should have had your hair cut if you wanted to look not like the guy that, from Back to the Future. Not only that, but you look like uh, the guy from um, Impractical Jokers, Dad. Right. <laughs> Get that ever? You got the same face as that guy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I just don't have their bank accounts. That's but. right. Yeah, yeah. they get some loot. Yeah, I wish we all had it here. Uh, yeah. All right. Ho hopefully, we'll be able to get together uh, for a drink not too time. Absolutely. In the not too distant future. Absolutely. Doc, Doc, you're a great man. Thank you so much Thank for coming yeah, on the yeah, show. Yeah. I really, really appreciated you coming on again. I think it's very helpful to uh, everybody who we get. We, we the following's grown. We got a bunch of people in the chat. Thirty-eight people. Uh, that that stay with us. We're going to share it all over the place right now. More people will watch. So thank you for your time, Doctor. Thank you. Thank you for your Good night, everyone. Good night, From Police guys. Off the Cuff. <laughs>